This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. All right, it's good to have you here. We're in the second week of a series called Frequency. The whole point of this series is really to kind of ask the question, God, how can we more clearly hear your voice? We want to tune in to God as he's speaking to us. And so we're going to kind of camp out in two chapters today, John chapter 15 and Genesis chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to those as we get started. If you have your phones and you're going to pull up your Bible app and you can only get one of those, I would go ahead and go to Genesis uh, chapter 18, probably camp out as far in a longer passage in that one. So as we get started today and kind of getting all that stuff squared away, let me ask you this question. What kind of friend do you want? What kind of friend do you want to have? In life, when it comes to relationships that you want, what kind of friend do you want to have? Now, let's just suppose, let me give you a scenario. Imagine that, um, not for any life-threatening illness, but you were hospitalized for a few days. If, if I were to interact with you, which kind of friend would you want? Would you like the friend that came by and dropped off some books for you to read, maybe left a handwritten note for you? Or would you like the kind of friend that would come by maybe on the way to work or maybe after work and come by and sit and talk with you for a little bit. Maybe even that friend that, that after work when it's around dinner time, they would stop off and get you fast food and sneak it into the hospital so you can have some fast food. How many of y'all have ever done that for your friends when they're in the hospital? Snuck in some fast food. All the rule breakers raising their hands right now, right? Which kind of friend would you want? I can go ahead and tell you which kind of friend you want. You want the kind of friend that's going to sit and talk with you. That's what you want. But we, in the body of Christ, have some that think of God in the, the context of God has already written a book to us. He's already left us the written word. So why would God need to speak to us anymore? See, I, I, I don't think that that's true. I think even today, as we kind of push against that notion, we're going to see that God wants to be the kind of friend that comes and sits and talks with us. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, it's, it's a daily thing where I catch myself and I'm going to God with, with that laundry list of the things that I would like for him to do, right? God, could you do this? Could you help me with this? Could you give me some wisdom here? God, could you do this? Could you do this? Could you do this? And every once in a while, I'll just sense the spirit of God saying, Kevin, I know what you need. I'm going to take care of all that. I just want you to sit and talk with me. Could you do that? I know what you need. I, I just want that kind of relationship with you. And See, I think sometimes that we, when we know that God wants and desires that sort of relationship, that, that we may undervalue the scriptures. I don't want to do that at all today. I want you to know that we believe that the, the Bible is the authoritative word of God, that it is without error, that it is good for us, it is profitable for us. We should be studying it. We should be living in it. It gives us everything that we need to know. But have you all ever been confused when you got a note from somebody? You didn't quite know what they meant. You ever got a text from somebody and you're like, I don't even know what this means. 
Well, sometimes, I mean, the truth is, is that there's a gap between what we read sometimes and what the intention of the word is. I mean, even between the language that we read and the language that it was written in, the, the Bible was originally written in Greek and Hebrew. And when we say that the word of God is infallible, we actually refer to its original manuscript, its original state. Have you ever had that happen before? Where you've written somebody a note and they read something or sent somebody a text and they read something into it that really wasn't supposed to be there. This is why we need the voice of God because God clarifies and speaks truth into our lives. I used to write a lot of notes when I was in middle school. I don't know if you did as well. Anybody in here just confessed that I used to pass some notes when I was in school? I did. And when I was in middle school, if you liked a girl, there was one note that you had to send. It was this note. Look at this note. Do you like me? Will you be my girlfriend? Check yes, no, or maybe. How many of y'all would say I sent that note before? All right? I did. I sent that note a lot. All the time. I think every girl in my class got that note from one time to another. But here's the problem. I wasn't the smartest kid when I was in school. I know some of y'all look at me and think, you know, after years later, I've studied and I work really hard not to look stupid when I'm up here, but, but it's a gift from God. It is not, if there's anything that you see that's intelligent, if you knew me when I was in the eighth grade, you would know how stupid I really was, all right? Because back in those days, I, I, I used to get very confused. And there was this girl that was in my class, and she was so pretty, and I was so infatuated with her. Her name was Barbara, but we all called her Barbie, right, because that's what you call a cute young blonde girl that's named Barbara, apparently. And, and so I decided that I would write her this note. Do you like me? Will you be my girlfriend? But it came out that way. I still remember when she read it. I was so embarrassed. I was, it was sixth grade, and I hid under my desk. I was a sixth grader, y'all, hiding under my desk. That's amazing. See, I think sometimes we get confused. And there are some parts of the scriptures that are confusing, but there are some that are not. And I want to go ahead and open with one of those that is not. Look at John chapter 15, verse 15. Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves. You are no longer, we just, that song that we just sang is called No Longer Slaves. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I, look at this, I have told you everything the Father has told me. And I, I think that it's easy. Leave that verse up there. That I have told you everything the Father has told me. It's easy to think that that's referencing this, the scriptures, that God has left us the exhaustive communication in the word of God. But the verb that's used in the original Greek literally means to speak. See, God says to us through that verse that I, I, I can be your friend. There is a, a vast difference between being a slave and a master. I want to be your friend. And the, the real basis of that is that I want to speak to you. And in that verse, I mean, he tells us point blank that there's a, a different style of communication that I want with you. And so the first thing you notes today is as we're going to talk about how God speaks to us is that God speaks to us personally. God speaks to us personally. And there, there, 
many different types of communication, but I, I just want to expand on the difference between two that will help you see what, what personal communication between us and God should look like, because he is describing there in John 15 two different types of relationships, a friendship and then a master-slave relationship, or some other translations say a, a master and a servant relationship, where one is very uh, command-oriented and one is very personal. We would call the command-oriented communication a mechanical communication. But God says, I don't want mechanical communication. I, I want personal communication with you. Now, we're all familiar with mechanical communication. You, you do this every day. You talk to your car. Now, I'm not talking about when it won't start and you're yelling words that we're not going to repeat here in church today, okay? Every day, it, when you get in your car and you crank it up and you get on the road, if you want it to go faster, you press the accelerator and you communicate with the car and it goes faster. If you want it to slow down, You communicate with the car, you press the brake, and it begins to slow down. You communicate. There's a a, a kind of an emphasis and a response, an emphasis and a response. I want you to do this, and then it does this. But that's not personal in nature. God describes this vast difference between those two types that he wants. I think one of the simplest ways to describe mechanical communication is the way that computers tend to communicate. All right, we, we are familiar with that. If you s- sit down in front of an, a word processor or an email client and you want to type out an email and you want to type your name, you hit the numbers and the letters on the, the keyboard that correspond with what you want to appear on the screen. Right, that's, how, that's how you communicate. And sometimes if you're like some of my friends and maybe even my parents, you communicate in a personal way with your computers when they don't do what they're supposed to do. One of my first jobs was working with my dad. My dad is not technologically savvy at all, okay? He still uses a flip phone, all right? Has no idea how to text. And, and, and to this day, it resists technological change. The only thing that he knows how to do on a computer is to check his hotmail. And you know if you have a hotmail, you're still about 10 years behind, all right? If you still have Hotmail, that's all he knows how to do, okay? So my first job was working with my dad. He was a surveyor for his whole career. He surveyed all this land in South Carolina, and my job was to come in and to input all of the data into a computer program. And so I worked with my dad for the whole summer after I graduated from high school. It was an interesting lesson in how to live and work with my dad, which is an everyday thing. It was funny at times and scary at some other times. Because if you've ever been around my dad, when he gets a little bit agitated, he just gets a little bit more expressive. So I was in there one day, and I walked in, and he was yelling at the computer. Just yelling. He was so mad. And I said, Dad, what's wrong? He said, well, I'm trying to print something. I said, well, that's, a, that's easy. You just select it and print it. And he goes, well, I did that, but it has this error on the screen. And I said, okay, well, let me look at it. What does the error say? He said, cannot find printer. And Kevin, I'm pointing the monitor right at the printer. Why can't it find it? <laughs> See, sometimes we try to communicate personally with things that can only communicate mechanically. 
But I want to give you this thought here. That too often the only reason we talk to God is to get direction. Too often the only reason we communicate with God at all is to get direction. And I think the problem with that is direction from God, while that is good and God does want to direct our lives, direction is mechanical. Too often our prayers are simply this. God, tell me what to do, or God, would you do? All that is is mechanical. And in John 15, Jesus says, I no no longer call you slaves or servants because a servant has no idea what's going on. I call you friends. And my invitation is to stop giving me your list because I know what you need and just talk with me. See, God wants to communicate personally with you. We see this happen in Genesis chapter 18 where God is going to have quite a long conversation with a man named Abraham. It opens up in Genesis 18, verse 16. I want you to see something that's happening as this story is set up. Then the men got up from their meal and looked down towards Sodom. As they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. So there is a group of men. They are with a man named Abraham, and there's a city called Sodom. If you know the story at all, you know that Sodom was a wicked city. They were blatantly sinning against God. They were unashamed of it. It was basically Las Vegas for their world, okay? It was unashamedly sin city. It was unashamed, counter to the ways of God. And so we see what's going to happen here in Genesis 18, verses 17. This is the Lord speaking. Should I hide my my plan from Abraham, the Lord said. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out. I just want to stop there. Last week as I began to teach on the voice of God, I talked to you out of Matthew where Jesus says, You are my sheep. My sheep will hear my voice. They will recognize my voice. And God said in that, I know each of them by name. I want you to know that in your life, God has singled you out. He knows you by name. He loves you and he has plans for your life. He wants to use you and prosper you. He has good things for you, but we have to choose to give our hearts and our lives to him and let him direct our paths. Look at what I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham what I have promised. Then I will do for Abraham what I have promised. So God points out there's, all right, Abraham is here. He's a little different, so now he's going to actually, because Abraham is there, he is with this group of men, look what happens. So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I've heard. If not, I want to know. So again, understand what was happening here. Abraham was with a group of people. These men got up and went on a journey headed towards Sodom and God stops them and begins to speak to Abraham in the midst of all these men. I've heard that there's great sin and now personally, and many, many scholars would say that this is Jesus on the ground as a bodily representation of God saying, I am here to be a representative of the person of God to see the sin and the wickedness of the city. 
And so look at what happens. The other men turned and headed towards Sodom. But the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? I, I just want to stop there. And the next thing in your notes is how, how to hear from God. How do we hear from God? Because we see just in that one simple verse how we can hear from God. Notice that there was a group of men that Abraham was with. They had got up to go on a journey towards the city of Sodom. And in the middle of that journey, they were stopped by the Lord where he spoke to them. And when he spoke, what did the other men do? They continued on their way. But Abraham did something different. He stopped what he was doing. The first thing that you need to know, if you want to hear from God, especially in a specific part of your life, you have to stop what you're doing. You have to stop what you're doing. See, so many of us have financial problems, and we'll go to God and say, God, God, could you, could you speak to me financially? Could you just speak to me? But we continue to do the same things. We're not willing to step out of our pattern of behavior. We're not willing to create margin in our lives so that we can respond to God. God, would you help me financially? But I'm not going to change anything, God. God, would you give me guidance? But I'm not going to change anything. You have to be willing to stop what you're doing. Think about maritally and in relationships. So many times we go to God, God, could you just speak to me? Could you help me? Could you give me some encouragement? Could you give me some guidance? God, I just need to hear from you in this area. But we continue to do everything the same way. We continue to do things that we know have contradicted the will of God. No, God, I'm not willing to forgive. No, God, I'm not willing to let go of that hurt. No, God, I'm going to stay offended. All of those things. When truthfully, like what we need to do is to stop what we're doing. And in the most practical sense, it is that. Saying that if I need to hear from God in an area of my life, I need to create margin in that area so that I can now do exactly what Abraham did, which is to approach God. It's to approach God. That's the second thing that we must do. We need to stop what we're doing, but then we need to draw near to God. And if you're in here and you're, you're suffering in a, in a financial crisis, it's not just that you need to create margin financially to respond to it. Then it's the prayers. God, God, what is it that you want me to do? Maybe it's I haven't been tithing, but I need to start doing it. Maybe it's that I've been spending in excess in other areas where I shouldn't be. And God, I need to be more disciplined. Maybe it's in your relationship where you, you know that you, you desperately need some advice and God speaks to you and you approach him and you say, God, help me. Help me, speak to me. And God speaks to you and gives you guidance. But here's the problem. If you don't create space, you'll never hear. And if you don't create space that you give to God, you'll fill that space up with something else. So we have to do those two things, don't we? We have to stop what we're doing and then we have to approach God. And then we really just need to do what Abraham did. Ask God the question that needs to be asked in that area and wait for his answer. Because that's what Abraham did. He knew that God was, was telling him of impeding judgment that would come against Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and he said, God, would you, would you really strike down the whole city 
if there were righteous there. And then this moment happens in conversation between Abraham and the Lord, which you can imagine this is Jesus sitting there talking to Abraham, an all-powerful, creative God who made him, and Abraham has seen him move and has experienced his blessing and is trusting in his promises, and he begins to talk to him. In verse 24, suppose you find when you go and investigate 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you still sweep it away and not spare it for those sakes? And listen to this. Surely you wouldn't do such a thing. Do you see what's happening? He's actually telling God what he would do. I think this is one of those moments when the heart of God is amused. Surely you wouldn't do that, God. Almost manipulative. Not in a bad way, but it's almost humorous as we read it. And so he says, no, if I find 50, I won't. So look at the next verse as it continues on in verse 27. Well, since I have begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. (laughs) Do y'all see how humorous this is? Suppose there are 45 righteous people rather than the 50. Will you destroy the whole city for a lack of five? And He begins to walk God down in numbers as he kind of barters with the heart of God in this conversation. And I think that it's one of those times when we, if we now truly understand the nature of God, that his will is not moved by ours, but he is moved by our hearts and wants a relationship, you can see that God wants to interact with him. He wants to have the conversation. Have you ever felt that way about your kids? Like, you know that you're not going to get any new information out of the conversation with them, right? It's not an issue of like, I'm going to learn something from you. I just want to talk to you because I find pleasure in it. Right now, I'm at this stage with my son. My son is three years old. He's a total mess, all right? He's so fun, but, but he always has something just incredibly witty and stupid to say. So this morning when he woke up and he looked outside and he saw that it had snowed, he said, well, mom, it was going to snow. The hamster didn't see a shadow, right? I mean, I love it. I love that stuff. I mean, it's so, it's just so true. And that's the way that God looks at you. And I think that in this moment, as Jesus was there having this conversation with Abraham, I can just imagine him kind of turning to the father and saying, I can be friends with this guy. I can be friends with this guy. I like him. Did you see how he started with 50? I mean, he knew he was going to go to 10, but he started with 50. That was so funny. Did you watch him? I love this guy. And did you hear him? Did you hear him when he said, I'm but dust and ashes. (laughs) Did you see that? It's so funny. He was trying to barter with us. Oh, I just love that God wants a relationship with us. And so we see right in that moment, the second thing in your notes, that God speaks to people. God speaks to people. I think sometimes we forget the simple fact that God as a divine, creative being, still wants to speak to us as his created person. We see that really in John 16, 
the next chapter over after Jesus has told us he wants to be friends, where he says this, Jesus speaking, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Have you ever noticed that with your kids? Like you want to explain something to them, but you know they can't understand it. They're not ready for it. You'd love to kind of help them see it, but their little minds are just not prepared for it. It's as if as God is looking at us, he's saying the same thing. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you're not ready for it right now. So when the spirit of truth, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, most of us stop right there. And most of us think, all right, Holy Spirit is a guide. He takes us into the scriptures and illuminates the scriptures so that we can understand it and apply it to our lives, which is true. That is exactly what he does. But most of us just stop our understanding of the speaking of God to us right there. And we neglect what happens after that. Because he says he will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. Look at this. And he will tell you about the future. God's going to speak to you. He wants to tell you about your life, to guide you and to encourage you and to strengthen you. And now his truth is anchored in his word. But we need to hear the voice of God. And I think sometimes we get confused because we think that God, when, when he spoke to people in the scriptures, it must have been this big booming voice that was coming from heaven, raining down on top of them. I don't think it was all the time. In, in 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, chapter 19, the prophet Elijah is, is under siege. He's, he's, he's being tracked down by, by the king of Israel. And he has just kind of called down fire on a, a bunch of false prophets. And, and he's running for his life and he's praying, God, can I just hear your voice? And then one day, as he's perched on top of a mountain, he sees a fire, he sees an earthquake, he sees a tornado, which is an amazing day, if you ask me. All in one day, right? And in every one of those, the voice of God was not. But then, in the whisper of a gentle breeze, he hears the voice of God. See, I think that all throughout the scriptures, when men and women of faith heard the voice of God, it was in that still small voice that we still have the capacity to hear. I mean, even I love in Gideon, Gideon's story out of Judges where he has tested the voice of God and tested the voice of God. And in Judges 6, 17, he still asked God, would you just give me a sign that is really you talking to me? <laughs> just would you please? So when we fast forward to Hebrews in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12, where there are all these stories of by faith they did this, and by faith they did this, and by faith they did this. By faith, Abraham believed that he could have children when he was very old, and God credited him to, as righteousness by faith, and by faith, and by faith. See, I think that sometimes we think that all of those people heard this audible voice of God. But can I ask you this? Would it have been faith? If that's how it went down, I want to submit to you that it wouldn't have. That if God showed up today and he sat in front of you and said, I want you to, and you fill out the blank. If, if you heard that audibly as God spoke to you and it was without question, then our response typically would not be in faith. It would be more out of fear, wouldn't it? Fear of letting down God, fear of not doing what he had said, 
but it's by faith. And that's exactly how God speaks to us today. The last thing that I want you to see is that God speaks to friends. God speaks to friends. And he wants to speak to you as a friend. And we see this theme all throughout the scriptures in Exodus 33, verse 11, where Moses has been speaking to God. The scriptures record that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. In James 3, 23, the Bible records that the scriptures were fulfilled, that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then he was called God's friend. So I think this message really is more about the question, not how, or not what is God doing, but why? Why does God want to speak to you? And the simple answer is God wants to be your friend. He wants to be your friend. He wants to have the loving relationship that you can only really find with him. What a What makes a friend? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, mean, friends mutually desire to be with each other. They want to spend time together. They want to serve each other. They want to encourage each other. They want to be there when times are good and when times are bad. They want to help each other. That's what friends do. And he wants that with you. See, he desires that with you. And if you're honest, just like I can be honest today, There are times that we don't want that. And if we're just going to be very vulnerable and honest, there are many times that we've rejected that kind of a relationship with God. How many of y'all recognize that today? There have been times that God has lovingly pursued me and I have just rejected him. But I want you to see that even when we fail him and we don't desire the relationship that he wants, that he's still a good a faithful friend. Look at Zechariah 13, verses 6. Speaking prophetically of what was coming as Jesus was crucified, if someone asks, what are these wounds on your body? They will answer, the wounds I was given at the house of my friends. In Matthew 26, as Judas is coming to betray Jesus, to turn him over to the authorities that would execute him, now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. And so going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And then Jesus replied, Look at this. Do what you came for, friend. Let that sink in. That even when we have failed him, in the most gross and neglectful ways that we ever will, God still desires a friendship with you. And you want to know why? Why you can have it? It's a truth that permeates into every other relationship that we have. Every single one is that the only way that a relationship can be sustained is by grace. That's it. It's the only way. See, many of us long for our relationships to have some sustenance in performance and perfection. And if someone won't do what we think they should do, and if someone is not as good as we expect them to be, then we cut them off and we won't have a relationship with them. But God sustains 
your relationship with him, not based on your performance, but based on his grace. Because he knew that you were going to fail him, that there were going to be times that that great invitation of his friendship was going to be something that you would blatantly reject. He knew that. And so look at what he says in John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Think about that with me today. God laid down his life to pay the sacrifice so that you could be in a life-giving relationship with him. He knew you would fail him. He knew you'd never be good enough. He knew that there would be times that you would regret and reject him. He knew that that was going to happen. But instead of saying, no, you've got to perform or you've got to be perfect, he said, no, I'm going to lay down my life because I know that I want this with you. I want this relationship. I want this friendship. And it's all about that. It's all about that today. So as we pray in just a moment, I want you to reflect on that. Are you living in the relationship that God wants to have with you? Do you have a friendship with God today? Or have you been living a little bit like a servant? Someone who's only praying and giving him your list and trying to ask him what you should do. Or have you found the friendship with God where you just get to sit and talk to him? Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.